So I didn't run this morning. I'm going to do my best to not like be coughing and hacking and all of my normal. Oh, I also didn't move my microphone over. Maybe I sound better now. Um, I'm going to do my best to not sound terrible like I normally do at the beginning of every show. Why do you still sound so stuffed up? I do. <laughs> do I really? I, I, I thought like maybe you weren't running this morning, but you know, I'm just waking oh, up. No. So maybe uh, maybe I'm, I'm, oh. I'm, my hearing's not so clear right now. Maybe your maybe your ears are stuffed up. Oh man. Were you on an airplane? Was I no. Okay. I was not on an airplane. <sighs> you sure about that? Somebody actually <laughs> tweeted a picture this morning of somebody I don't know, some other person tweeted a picture of them on an airplane and there's this guy's face sticking out of the seat right in front and somebody thought it was me, which I don't know why they would think of me when they saw a picture of a woman posting about herself on the plane. But uh, they posted this thing, and then I looked at it. I'm like, wow, that really does look like me. <laughs> I'm like, was I on a plane? But I realized that he was wearing a red plaid shirt, and I don't have a red plaid shirt. Oh, so see, it wasn't oh, the yeah. fact that you don't remember whether you were on a plane in the last three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that can't be just, me because I wasn't yeah, wearing a plaid can't shirt. Can't be me. I don't have <laughs> not before Labor Day. I don't have that shirt. Never would you wear a red plaid shirt. <laughs> Well, what's up? What have you guys been oh, up to? Oh, man. Go ahead, Jimmy. Oh, well, I, so speaking of planes, I just got back last night from Kansas. I was in Kansas for four days filming. A, I was hosting a show with Zyla Foxland. If you guys don't know Beauty and the Bolt, check her out. She's great. Together, we hosted mm-hmm. this inventor show called Make 48. And it's about 10 groups of people that get together, and they have 48 hours to invent something, design it, make a one-minute film, and do a pitch to basically like three sharks. And then the, the best person, the, the winner, wins $10,000. And we had a lot of fun. It was it was a great experience. And I got to meet some really great people. I got a, I got to meet a patent trademark lawyer who I'm going to continue to work with. She's amazing. I'm going to, I did a little vlog segment on her. So I'm looking forward to putting that up. She's amazing. Um, uh, what else did I do? Oh, so uh, jokingly, I was on a plane yesterday and you talked about, I was waiting to get, on the plane and and at the waiting area, a guy kept side eyeing me, and I was like, "Okay, I wonder if he knows me." And so I just ignored it, and he kept side eyeing me. And then at one point, I got up and talked on my phone, and I held my phone to him, and the whole back of my phone says "Duresta" on it. And so right after I got off the phone, he says, "He goes, I, I I was wondering if that was you, and I just saw the back of your phone. If you don't mind, I just want to say hello." He was a very nice guy. He's, he's a sweet dude. He was coming to Albany to to do some electromechanical work of what he does for a living. So we were talking, but I realized if I'm trying to be discreet, having my name plastered on the back of my telephone, is probably not a good (laughs) idea. (laughs) Probably not. No, he was a sweet dude, but um, traveling was, uh, was everybody was worried about me traveling, but everything was fine. In in all actuality, I only saw three people with masks through four airports. I mean, through four, four Hmm. times at the airport. Taylor said to me straight away when she picked me up, she's like, well, there are a lot of people wearing masks. And I said, I only saw three people. So, and there's lots of hand sanitizer around. So, you know, it didn't seem to be the, you know, the big deal that at least it seems like right now, but who knows where it's going, but traveling was great. And and the event was a lot of fun and that's going to be on the air. They're going to edit what we shot into 10 episodes of TV. The last two or three of which will be the, the winners developing their product outside of the show, trying to develop their product into a saleable item. So check that out. That would be season four of make 48. So there's season one, two, and three already out there. And and last last year, this time, I was a judge on season three. So I was one of the judges. This time I was actually a host. 
So where's this going to be? Like, where is this available? It's on, it's, it's got coverage of 98% of the PBS stations across the United States. Oh, PBS. Yeah. Okay. So I think you can go to their website and see the old episodes, you know, the previously published seasons. There's three pre- previous seasons. It's weird that I never heard about this thing, but at WorkbenchCon, <clears throat> they made a big deal out of it. And like, um, you know, you guys, all the people that were... Uh, going to be hosts and stuff, got up and talked about it and stuff, and I'd never even heard of it. Or maybe I'd just never heard of the name. Yeah, well, I, I probably mentioned but... it last year, but it is, it, you know, it's it's a little tiny. It's definitely like a little marketing effort that could, you know, it's not huge in a, in a big way. And it gets paid for by underwriters. It, I think Stanley Black & Decker is their underwriter. And and they're not really, when somebody underwrites something, it's really more just for like the, the greater good of the community. They're not really using it as a huge advertising opportunity. But they do have logos and stuff throughout the show, but it, it isn't explicitly in your face. So Make 48 is the brand, and we're going to be doing an event in Vegas if, if everything stays scheduled uh, right after Maker Central. So uh, Kristen from – I'm sorry, I'm getting confused. There's so many show events. i got to, like, organize them in my head. <laughs> Kristen from WorkbenchCon and the Make 48 team – teamed up to do this event at the hardware show in Vegas. And that's why we, we pitched, uh, we did a little sales pitch at the end of workbench con. And we were just telling people if you wanted to come and uh, it's going to be 10 teams of people making stuff. And I'm going to be the host again with Zyla, but other mentors will be like April and, and, and uh, Izzy and a few other people will be the mentors for those teams. So they'll be guiding those voluntary teams to build stuff at the show. So there'll be a live build. It's not it's not the same type of invention show where somebody wins. It's going to be 10 things get built by 10 teams and it just gets gets followed throughout the the 5 days or 4 days. And it's really just like a big build off, live build off. People can come and watch every day and see how the teams do. And that's it. And then the, then those products will be given away as gifts to, you know, a good cause. I'll put a link to the Make 48 site, which is just make48.com, in the um, in the show notes. And it looks like you can watch the episodes of the previous seasons and stuff on the website. So yep. if anybody wants to check it out. Anyway, that was a great experience. So I'm back now, and I'm back cool. in action. Sweet. So you that's, I mean, have you made anything in the past week, or have you just been doing that? No, well, this week i got to start another, and we're doing another fundraiser for the Jesse Combs Foundation. Jesse Combs is the... Uh, the race car driver who died last summer trying to set the land speed record. And we were all kind of friendly with her. I just started to get to know her. She came and spent some time here at the house with me and Taylor. And uh, she wanted to learn about YouTube. So she, she, we had met at an event. She's like, hey, can I come hang out with you and learn about YouTube? Because she was going to transition from TV to YouTube. So we spent some time together. We had like a crash course in developing a friendship. And then she died, unfortunately, about two months later in a car accident. And... So a group of us are getting together called uh, Make for Jesse. It's to raise money for her foundation. It's a girl's foundation. So that this week I'm going to make a picture frame. And uh, Mark Adams, the photographer, has a lot of really beautiful pictures of Jesse when we were all at an event. So everybody got a picture, a big picture printed on like aluminum. It's a really sturdy, beautiful print, a very expensive print. And then each one of us are making a frame and I'm going to do that this week. So, and then last week's video was a restoration of an old drill press, <clears throat> which is a uh, amazing, amazing old drill press. So if you, if you haven't seen that, take a look at that. It's a drill press from the 1890s. It's a Cincinnati drill press from made in Ohio. 
So, yeah. I I'm, I set uh, I set aside some time to go read the comments on there cuz I'm like y- you were making fun of yourself of what the what the commenters were going to do and so many people are imitating your baby voice in the comments. Oh, yeah. Having fun with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. It's, yeah, the baby voice I did in the Jocko documentary is is hilarious. I'm going to actually I got to do a video of the baby voice doing it more cuz people love it. It's like me and Dave Welder like in, invented that concept years ago. We only did it one time where we were I was showing I was showing people how to use the table saw and David was the uh the troll voice from behind the camera. And I haven't done it again. Everybody thinks that's something they've seen a few times. We only did it that one time. And then in the Jocko documentary, it's the second time. So now the troll voice is the baby voice. And uh, people really love it. So everyone knows this. You know. They'll complain. And then in the bottom, they'll be like in baby voice. So I know they're just kidding. <laughs> or like when somebody really is is awesome. is taking a swipe at me, I say, okay, now say that again, but say it in the baby voice. <laughs> I love and that. that's all I say. It's <laughs> <laughs> fun. So I got to give you the link. That would be. I got to give you the link for the Jesse thing because it's something we want to promote. So, okay, yeah. yeah. But go ahead. Put it in the show notes. Uh, you should get your your audience to like when somebody is attacking you for them to leave a response to that j- just says like baby voice and it just will add the tone oh. to someone else's comment. Oh yeah, you know? no, they're doing it. They're doing it already. It's great. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so funny because I think it's going to become a very prolific thing. They're going to be doing it under everyone. Because, you know, we get, every once in a while, we get a real vicious commenter. And instead of just deleting it, I'm going to leave it up and just have everybody say, say it in a baby voice. Say it. Say it in a baby voice. Say it. <laughs> so, am I up next? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So, I started bending all the tubing for the go-kart build. And Ooh, yeah. I bought so much extra tubing because I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. And it all it all came out great. So... I haven't made any mistakes yet, so all the pieces, all the main pieces of the chassis are are bent. And there's a there's one, um, I don't know if it's called a compound bend, but it, like the two long pieces are, I would say, S shaped. But then the front it also goes up uh, where the where the spindle is, and so it's a it's a bend that goes in a certain degree and also goes up. And I'm like, how am I going to figure all this out? And I saw some tricks on YouTube and. And uh, and it's coming out great. So I should be tube notching this week and tacking up probably next week, getting ready for the season. So that's coming along really good. I'm going to, I'm not doing a video on the cart build, but I'm going to, uh, I think when Dan's here tomorrow, we're going to show how the tube bender works and how the tube notcher works. And then just set aside that footage for a few weeks and then kind of come in when the cart is done and do a little overview video on on that stuff so that is coming out really good i just put out the glass the stained glass video and it shows my three attempts the first attempt which was a total failure and the second attempt which is better and then the third attempt which i thought came out really good and so many awesome people were giving me tips and it looks like the main thing that i was doing wrong was i had the wrong tip in the in the soldering iron so you know you wanted something everybody's like you need something a little bit bigger looks like a flathead screwdriver you're gonna get better beads and then a few other people suggested there are soldering irons just for stained glass that's gonna give you a lot more success so i have one in my amazon card it's like 79 dollars so i will probably get it but it's right now it's just sitting there in the cart and so thank you to all the people that reached out and gave me some good tips 
And cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I have a question about the uh, the go kart. You know, it sounded like you were expecting more to go yes. wrong. Are you now? Are you now ahead? Like, are you further along than you thought you would be at this point, or did it kind of even out? Um, you know, there's not a time frame except for just by April to have to have it done. I would say I'm ahead because I didn't think that I would get all the pieces bent in one evening. It took way less time than I than I anticipated. So, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just say I'm ahead, and it's really <laughs> satisfying when you have this five foot long tube. And it's got one, two, three, four, five, six bends in it, all going different ways. And it comes out and it lays down perfectly flat. It was just like, oh my goodness, this wasn't supposed to be this easy. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I, and so I also just recently ordered a three quarter inch die for the two bender so I can do some furniture legs with it and stuff. And so it'll, it'll come in handy for future videos. That's cool. Um, so I, I saw that your stories, but I'm notoriously bad for not listening to Instagram stories because I keep my sound off. And so I just like, I see Jimmy talk a lot, but I don't hear what he's saying. <laughs> but in, on yours, I saw you bending the tube, but I didn't see or listen to how you keep them flat when you're doing all those bends. Is that built into the, the bender mm-hmm. to have like a, a, a reference surface or something? Or how do you do that? No. So to, to simplify it is if your tube bender is level, you take a level and it's level going in this w- direction and this direction mm-hmm. and you have your tube in there and you have your your first you do your first bend you can do your first bend at at any position within the tube then when you go to do the second bend that first bend is sticking out the front or the back you can then put a level on that and as you turn the tube it should read zero just like the the bender itself does that make sense Gotcha. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's that's how you're cool. that's how you're keeping everything nice and level. Nice. That's simpler than I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I that's cool. I before I saw that trick on YouTube, which is it's, it's not a trick, it's a it's a common thing that people have been doing for decades, but I was I was drawing a a black sharpie line down the middle of the tube and I thought, "Okay, I'll make sure this black sharpie line's always on top." No, you don't need to do any of that. Hmm. That's a good trick, though, just cool. to keep a reference, just to have a line face up. It is, yeah. You can also, because it's DOM tubing, uh, you can actually see the, the seam a little bit. Oh, so yeah. That's just also make sure you reference. start with that as a reference. Yeah. That's a good point. Huh. Interesting. Cool. Uh, anything else you've been up to? Mm, I didn't want to cut you no, off. No, I think question. that's about it. Cool. Um, well, let's see. So this week we have a... Uh, furniture build coming out, which I haven't done any furniture in a while, so that's kind of cool. Um, my fish tank that I've been talking about for a while is up and running, and uh, I wanted to make a piece of furniture to put that on. So I've also been wanting to make this little kind of modern credenza-looking thing, and so I just combined those two together. So I made a plywood credenza, but it had to hold the weight of the fish tank, which is a little over 300 pounds. And so it it's not it's not a huge change to it or anything, but I just made sure in the construction that all that weight was carried straight to the floor and kind of, we doubled up some of the supports and legs that you can't, so you can't really see it, but you'll see when the video comes out, but it's kind of a walnut plywood mid-century, you know, credenza. I also have never done anything with sliding doors on the front. And uh, so this has two big panels for sliding doors and they, you know, they both go both directions and, 
it works surprisingly well. So there was a little bit of me that thought, you know, if I'm putting all this weight on the top of this thing, even if I'm if I'm taking all that weight directly to the floor through verticals, there's still going to be some sort of a pinch point so that the doors in the track are going to, you know, like maybe they'll move more freely on one side than the other or whatever, but they move great. And so it, it turned out to be really nice. And I, part of that is because of the gap that I gave them. I was going to say, the key to having sliding good doors is to have a lot of airspace at the top. So the weight sits on yeah. the bottom and then you put like a, just a spoiler on the front to cover that gap inside. You know, yeah. It inside ended the up making a, the, the first idea was to make dados in the top uh, panel. And then for, so the doors would have a little rabbit and they would kind of lift up into it and then down into a track. It's the way. I made a mistake when I was cutting the, the dados. And so they were too close together. So then we were like, well, let's just put a face frame on the front of it. And that allowed me to make the doors a little bit shorter, which gave them plenty of that room that you're talking about yeah. there. Um, but it, yeah, it worked out really, really well and, um, use the CNC to cut some big, like, uh, radial lines from a corner in the panels. So imagine you have one rectangular panel and then, uh, a point would be right off the corner and then lines coming out of that point going across. It almost looks like a sunburst across mm. the piece. So we cut those out with the CNC and then inlaid walnut back into them. Wow. So you have walnut plywood with a walnut inlay, but that, that walnut is, you know, like the grain lines are going in different directions. So it's kind of subtle, but I think it's a cool detail. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. It's something different for me, but it works great and I think looks really nice, especially with the fish tank on it. It's. Hmm. I've always found it gives it a highlight that the walnut plywood is almost always lighter than any kind of hardwood walnut that I have laying around. Yep, that... that is the case it's weird because if it's by itself you don't really see that it's especially light but those inlay pieces are definitely a lot darker which is kind of weird i don't know why that is but that's what i've been up to and then um let's see what else went out to the farm this weekend and worked on the the trails a little bit um it's funny because the last couple times i've been out there i've been kind of mapping out the trail that I want and laying, you know, going into the woods and finding trees that have fallen and pulling them to the trail to make kind of guide rails, you know, just laying dead trees on the side so you can kind of see where the path is going to be. And there's always been a couple of big trees that have been crossed the path that are, you know, we just climb over, but they're, they're big and they're in the way. And so I was finally at a point this weekend where I took the chainsaw out and walked the woods with the chainsaw and cut up the pieces that were laying across the path and move them out of the way. And so now it's like a legitimate nice. trail. That's cool. Do you have a four-wheeler, cool. you can four-wheeler like... yet? No, no, I don't think we need one out there. It's not that big. And it's... <laughs> Jimmy's saying, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you want to carry like a toolbox. You're going to be like, all right, we're going to go 100 yards with a toolbox and 10 sledgehammers or whatever. You're gonna, you're gonna. I didn't <laughs> well, think, it's, I think it's when I bought my I bought a Polaris, I think a 450 Polaris. I thought I was being self indulgent, and and when I got it, yeah. now I can't live without it. I mean, I get five bags of chicken food to like to carry them a hundred yards across the yard to the chicken coop from the parking spot. I throw them all in the back of the quad and drive them over, and you know it's really becoming a legit farm utility, and not just a mm. not just oh let's drive through the mud. I mean that's what I was doing when I first got it. Now it's like legit. Like tells like where's the keys to the quad? I got to go carry a bunch of metal from here to there or whatever it's constantly getting used because you can't drive on the grass with the truck it's too it's too mushy oh yeah 
See, ours is and like in the videos you probably see the the green space, the open space, and that's the smallest part of the property. The rest of it is very hilly, very thick wood. And so even the trails that I'm doing, I mean a quad might fit on them, but it would be pretty tight. And so I'm not sure that I would really have much space to actually use it. Like I don't I don't know that I could get it to the points where I would need, but maybe <laughs> he's just shaking his head yes. <laughs> Right. You will like, be so happy, trail. and so will everybody that has to carry all your junk. They will be so happy. <laughs> but I mean, the the incline on some of this stuff to get to that trail is like mm. like forty five degrees. Jimmy's you know, they have vehicles now with four wheels. You know, all four wheels have like power to them now. It's the thing called four wheel drive. They have. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I can rent one and try it out out there and see. Just buy it, and then if I flip it, <laughs> I have to buy it. Because <laughs> you're gonna not want to return the rental. You're gonna be like, okay, this is cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. It's uh, let's I mean, mark I'm, this I'm date. It's March ninth. We'll we'll see how long <laughs> it takes. He'll have, have one in a month, and he'll be like, "This is the best <laughs> thing I ever did in my life." Well, uh, I have several things that I'm ready to start really planning and and prepping to build out there. Um, so, I may we'll have see. even I may have even either I sent this email to Nick Offerman privately. I mean, a, a, a text message, or I might have posted on Instagram. But when I got when I got my Polaris, I put underneath it, "Now I am a real man." I think mm-hmm. that's what I said. <laughs> so I expect that from you, Bob. Thanks. I, get your I, I, I appreciate that because, <laughs> <laughs> like, all of a sudden, I'm like, "Yeah," and I feel like I'm in a cigarette ad, like you know, the dust in the morning, like loading the back of my quad. Yeah. Nobody remembers cigarette ads except for me. I'm the oldest one here. <laughs> I it's actually like, don't. No, like, I remember him, like the Marlboro Man, yeah. like ads where he was all tough and had the cowboy hat. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you guys remember? Maybe you. it was just in my hometown, but people did cutouts of the, like a silhouette of the Marlboro Man, and then would like, have them in front of their farms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like kind of. I saw one recently where it was Whoa. like a, the cigarette guy. Well, I don't know if it was a cigarette or not, but it was like the Marlboro Man leaning on a tree. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I don't remember that at all. Um, so I thought it might be interesting today to talk about bad habits since we're talking about cigarettes. There we go. (laughs) Look at that transition. I I stopped smoking a long time ago. 20, 20, 30 years ago, I stopped. Good. And you should too. Um, you should, you definitely should. But I thought it'd be good to talk about bad habits and not necessarily, I was thinking in the context of the shop when I was thinking about this, but we can talk about whatever bad habits you want to talk about. But I notice in for myself um, that there's several things I do in the shop that end up working against me in the long run, and it's almost always because I'm impatient. Like 99% of the time, it's just I don't want to take the time to do something that will end up, you know, I think, oh, this time it'll be fine. Or like <clears throat> things like sharpening uh, saw blades or sharpening planes. Uh, I have this bandsaw. This is one, okay? I know it is not that hard to set up a bandsaw the right way, to get all the bearings in the right place, to get the tension where it needs to be. I know it's not that hard, but for, I don't know, five, six years, I've not done it on this bandsaw. And every time I use the bandsaw, I'm like, well, this one will probably be fine. Like this cut, it's not that big of a deal. And I cut it and it deflects and it's terrible. (laughs) And then I'm like, man, why didn't I just spend... Like, I can't do it right now because I'm in the middle of a project, right? And I can't stop for whatever. Take your 10 minutes with a, get your guide blocks right I behind know. your teeth. That's what you need. 
And that's that's my point. Like I it's a bad habit that I have no excuse for, but it's the thing I continue to not do and it always comes back to bite me every single time. What you know, if, that reminds um, me and I have this is a good point to 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 say it. So many people think I'm like the bandsaw king, and I appreciate that. I mean, Alex Snodgrass is really the bandsaw king. He knows so many nuances about how to adjust a, a bandsaw. So he's actually on Instagram. You can go ask him questions. I'm sure he's happy to answer them. But almost every time I say to somebody new on a bandsaw, they say, da, 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 and I go, is the, when's the last time you changed the blade? They're like, oh, I don't know. It came with the saw because they may have bought it used. I'm like, get rid of that blade and start with a new blade. And then they'll write to me. They're like, oh, my God. It, it's... A bandsaw blade is like a baby diaper. Like that's how that's how consumable they are. People put a because they, they think a table saw blade is going to last probably six eight months unless you really wear it down with like some gritty wood or or nails. A bandsaw blade goes probably ten times faster than than a regular saw blade on a on a table saw. So you got to remember mm. to change it much more often. And that's it. One hundred percent agree with that. I also get a lot of I'm trying to make your bandsaw boxes, but I'm getting a lot of burning and the blade is drifting. And then yeah. you find out they they have ten teeth per inch. I'm like, you gotta you gotta go way less teeth because there's no place for that all that waste to go, and it causes a blade to wander. I was just thinking, I think it's Alex Snodgrass who says take off your bandsaw tabletop to get all your bearings right, and nobody does that. Nobody's does, got the yeah, time yeah. to take off the tabletop. But what if it, it should like, be the it should be just those two knobs on the trunnion most on most bandsaws. It should be just those two knobs, but. It seems too. It seems like a, too invested. I yeah. totally agree that nobody would do that, but he does like it on it, the shows. What if it swung away or moved up or moved down so you could get to those bearings easier? That would be a. Uh-oh. There's Invention. some. Mm. Yeah, just just throwing that out there to so, the world. So have you this problem with my bandsaw? This is not really what I wanted to talk about, but this problem with my bandsaw has been a problem since I got the thing, and it's a grizzly, like. I don't know, it was 14 inch or whatever. I added a riser block to it. Like it's a relatively nice bandsaw. It's not top of the line, but it's pretty good. So I feel like it should work. And so I'm wondering if the blades that I get are always the wrong blades or they're bad metal or something. When you have a, I try to keep like a three quarter inch blade on it. Just use it for resawing, big cuts, stuff like that. But the blade, even if, if the bearings are in about the right place, you can take the blade and just like, Front to back, you can just bend it, and it just it just flexes left and right. You're probably getting I mean, poor quality you, blades. You should you should get blades from Timberwolf, think, and also your teeth per inch should be for resawing yeah. like at least four, maybe six TPI tooth think, per inch. I think that's I think I have four, but <clears throat> it does feel like the blade itself, like the width, the curve of the blade is just way too thin for what it should do. Because I, I feel like it should. Where be are you buying your blades bend. from a store? You really got to order them online or get a supplier. Like I say, Timberwolf all the time because that's how I've always got my blades. But now you can go to bladesdirect.com. I go to eBay all all the time now. Last night, in fact, I bought three blades for the new dual bandsaw that I have specifically for cutting metal. But I just type in bandsaw blades on on ebay and there's 10 20 30 40 different suppliers so you could kind of check and see which ones you get and and blades for that saw are probably 12 13 dollars each blades for the dual are about 40 dollars each so hmm. so you know you can get a you can try a few and get a good variety yeah well and i think that was probably i i, I probably just got one that i thought would work and didn't really pay attention to mm-hmm. the let's see what i have is a power tech which is just like a cheap brand for whatever, but like I don't know. Get rid of it. Brands. Never heard of apparently. it. Apparently, power yeah. tech. I. <laughs> okay. This is a maybe. 
it's a little excessive, but I have the Laguna Resaw King blade on my mm-hmm. big band saw, and it's a carbide tip blade. Carbide tips it, are the, amazing. Oh my goodness! It just it leaves beautiful cuts. You cut the blades straight. a couple hundred dollars, but it's you'll never have to change it. It's that it's, that is a blade that will last, and you could resharpen that blade. Yeah, I I, I, don't, hmm. I think it's a, I think it's around a hundred dollars. Um, at least I don't think. I got one hundred. for my thirty-six inch bandsaw, and it was oh, oh okay. It's a yeah. fourteen twenty. It's a fourteen foot blade. It really is a dream. It just cuts so well. So I keep two of them, and I have a doll one sitting on the shelf. And I'm assuming I can have it sharpened somewhere since it's a carbide tip. But or I'm assuming I could sharpen it myself, but I haven't done so. Hmm. So all right, question then. You guys can help me Amazon this while I'm sit I'm sitting here talking to you. Timberwolf brand. The right length, three quarter inch, two to three TPI. That's two good, right? Three, three. Le- that's less less than four. Yeah. I mean, it it is a two to three, or yeah, two to three, and then a point oh two five silicone steel bandsaw blade. Yeah, that's the, is that what yeah, I want? That, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's the thickness. That's okay. a little aggressive. Right, I mean, so if a, you're going to just use it for resaw and kind of using it as like a, a vertical chop saw, that that's a really aggressive blade, which is will cut really quick and clean. Okay. Try it. All right, I'm gonna try this. Um, How and, thick? See, half but inch. Then I see the king. Half inch? Oh my goodness! Uh, it was three quarter inch. I see the the 105 inch Laguna three quarter inch resaw blade King Carbide that you're talking about. 145 dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a dream. It's a dream. But it will last. It won't. Okay. It, it will last yeah. a really long time. It lasts probably. That's a blade. Is that if you take care of it, it'll last forever. And you could resharpen it up to a certain mm-hmm. until the teeth are gone. But you could sharpen it over and over. Yeah. By a professional. And by the way, I, I just said my, my bandsaw blades for my big my big bandsaw are actually like 19 and a half feet, something like that. I said 14. I meant to say 19. Just in case any nerds are really listening. They're going to write, Jimmy said the wrong size for his bandsaw. Jimmy said the wrong size for his bandsaw blades. That's one of my bad habits. What what uh, what bad habits do you have? Uh, give me one. I have a bad – my bad habit is I grab every single tool for – and. And Aaron, now Aaron's with me. Aaron is, is very neat. Aaron is, is amazing. He's very neat and he constantly cleans up and he does knolling, if you guys know what knolling is. And I've always knolled, but now I know much more often. That's when you take everything that's a messy table and you kind of organize it in straight lines. It just helps you think better. And I, my, my worst habit is I pull out every tool. I just like impulsively like, oh, look at, oh, let me try with this. And so in like 20 minutes, it looks like a tornado went through the shop, especially when I'm like deep into a project and I'm like, oh, let me try this. Let me get that. Oh, I need that. I need that. Oh, I need the bolt cutters. <clears throat> and I walk around the big shop and I leave tools everywhere. I leave them on the corners of tables. And so now I'm in getting into a habit and it's, it's, and I said to, I said to Aaron, I said, it's out of respect to you because Aaron cleans up every time he does anything and puts everything completely away. And at the end of the day, I would be lazy and I would be like, I'll just deal with it tomorrow. So now more often than in the past, and, and my habits have changed because my shop size has changed and my amount of tools has changed. So I don't really have a good habit, but I'm trying to develop that good habit of at the end of the day, put everything away. We have 10, we have like eight three-phase tools now and every one of them has got a 40-foot extension cord to go to the amp unit so I could plug it in and turn it on. And there's a mess of cords at the end of every day because I plug all the machines. I'm always like unplugging, plugging in this because I only have three three phase outlets and I'm using the three phase machines more and more. So I'm trying to get into the habit of at the end of every day, unplug all those tools, wrap all those cords up because the next day I might not need them. 
But my bad habit is I think at the end of every day, oh, I'm going to need that tomorrow, so let me leave it. And then the problem compounds and compounds. Okay. And then in three days, every single tool is on the every single surface. And that just looks like a bomb hit the place. So I'm trying to break that by at the end of every day, let me just do a, a, put, a tool put away. Me and Dave would do a tool put away once a week, you know, going back six or seven years ago. We go, all right, today, before we get started, let's just do a tool put away. Everything gets put back into its place. And now I'm trying to do that at the end of every day. But, you know, I get pulled away to go feed the animals or something, and then I never make it back to the shop. So it doesn't always happen. Mine, completely out of laziness, excuse me, is not putting enough coats of finish on my pieces. I get that first coat on my on my piece <laughs> for the video and then i'm like okay i'll put more coats on there later off camera <laughs> man it's i would say more than half the time i never do we have a a bar that i built a couple years ago it didn't get enough coats on there some liquids and drinks have been spilled on there and you can see it's gone through the finish on the wood it's gotta i gotta sand it and, and refinish it but that is my biggest time that's where I save a lot of time is not putting enough coats of finish on my pieces. Oh, yeah. I love doing that. I love Do the doing the build thing. up. That's for me. It's very rewarding. It's like, I always like, I use it as a marker in time. Like, okay, I'm going to put a coat of paint on that. I'll go feed the chickens. That'll kill like an hour, go get lunch and come back and then sand it and do it again. You know? So to me, I always kind of break it up as to like little goals throughout the, uh, you know, whatever afternoon. I, I'm kind of the same way with, well, I'm definitely the same way with finish, but I'm also the same way with primer. I hate painting. It just is a thing that just, it's a mess and it takes time and it never turns out like you want. And you always have to do it. I have to do it again. And priming just feels like that same thing. Although in reality, spending the time priming and sanding a little bit beforehand will make your paint faster and easier and better covered and stuff. But I always just want to skip that step. And then I always (laughs) regret it. Always. Every single time. I also have a really, really bad habit of getting out hardware. I have tons of bins of screws and nuts and bolts and washers and stuff. And I go in there and I open the container and I try to leave it open until I'm completely done with it so I can easily put things back. And so we'll finish up the project and then I'll close up all the containers and put them back on the wall. And then I see that there's still... I don't know, 20 screws kind of spread around the thing. And rather than finding the container that they go in, pulling it out and open it up, I just set them in a little pile on top of the miter saw. <laughs> so I have all these little piles of just like two or three things that will never get used because they're not where they should be. Like they're not in the place where I would go to find them. And they just end up piling up up there and they never get put away because nobody else wants to do that job for me. And I end up, you know, doing it my I don't do it myself, even though I should. Yeah, that is a another really bad habit of mine. That really, there's no excuse for that. Like it, it doesn't take, and this is the case for most of the things for me. It doesn't take any time at all to do it the right way. It, to just like find the bin, pull it, it out, drop them in. No, it, it's done, so much right? easier to but, leave it on the edge of something. <laughs> but it's so bad. It it just comes back to bite you later on because eventually I'm gonna have to spend an hour pull all that stuff down, open all the containers at the and then just like look for where things go and put them away one at a time or you throw them away and then <laughs> you're being really wasteful yeah but I, I'm, I want another bad habit i have to talk about now i have cups with like random bits and now aaron again i, I keep talking about aaron aaron's helping me break some bad habits i have so many little cups with 
oh, like those four screws are good. And those, you know, those four screws, those two washers, that one random nut and a wing nut and, and an eyelet screw. I'll just leave them in this cup because I'll know where they are when I need them. And so I have like a like an old like cat food can with like 15 little random nothings in it. And I because they have value, if I needed them, I'd have to go find them at the hardware store. They just sit around. And now Aaron's literally going through everything. And, and there's a pile of like random hardware. And I'm just like, I go, when you throw it away, just make sure I'm not around. Don't show it to me. <laughs> it's funny you, and, you yeah. say that because uh, – Kelly, um, she's very big into recycling and, and reusing and not throwing things away that shouldn't be thrown away. And some every once in a while, there'll be something that we have to get rid of. And she'd be like, just get rid of it, but don't let me know what you did with it. Just get it <laughs> out of here. Yeah. Don't tell me. Yeah, no, I do it all My time. wife is the same way. And every time she goes on a trip or like you know takes the kids somewhere for the weekend or goes with her friends somewhere and like that is the weekend that i go through the house and just pick all the piles of paper and all the things that she doesn't want to that's want to clean it yep. out See, taylor does that <laughs> yep. to me she wasn't around this weekend she's busy working on her show that she was she was getting ready for but when i go tra- on trip especially in the spring and summer which is coming when i go on a trip she swoops down on the house the shop everything and now i'm sure her and aaron are going to team up on me and just throw away stuff that they think I don't need. And I remember one day when Brett, Brett and Taylor were cleaning up when I was away on a trip and I came back and there was a big bucket, like a big box of, of spa, uh, spatch, uh, what do you call them? Spackle knives, you know, like the spreaders, like the metal spreaders. I probably have like 75 of them because anytime I'm on like a TV show, I always like pilfer all like little tan tools. So I have like probably 75, 80 scrapers in various widths that you would use to for sheetrock. And there was this box, and in the box there was like twenty of them. And I said uh, it was just kicking around when I came back, and I said to Brett, "I'm like, what is this?" He goes, "Oh, uh, we were going to give that to Ed. Ed is the guy who always sells stuff at the flea market." I'm like, "Why?" He's, uh, well, Taylor thought that you didn't need that many, so she just randomly split up the box. And I'm like, "This is mine. You don't throw this away." <laughs> I'm like, if you guys want to like throw away my stuff behind my back, do it like from start to finish. Don't let me catch you moving the body in the middle of it. So I took the whole thing and I dumped it back in the drawer. You can't even close the drawer now. So many spatulas in there. But I, I like and I so and I, I went through the drawer. I'm like, this one I got at the flea market in in 2010. Like I knew every single one of them. This one I stole yeah. from the TV show. This one's one inch. Do you know how hard it is to find a one inch wide? Spackle knife. Do you know this one's eight inches? And this one I got from. So Brett always reminded me of that, like what a psychopath I was. <laughs> I another bad habit I have is I like organizing things. I like to put things in groups where you know they make sense and people can find them when they need them. But there's this. There's always stuff that doesn't have a home. There's always stuff that doesn't have a grouping or like a logical place to put it. Like I'm not. I'm not a stickler about where things are. It would just be nice if people know where they are, wherever they live. But there's certain things that just don't make sense with anything else. And so those things, rather than trying to come up with a way to organize them or a a common place to put them, I just end up with one or two drawers around the shop that are just the little hidey hole where all of the weird stuff goes that doesn't have another home. And so, you know, all the wrenches for like 
like the faucet wrench or I mean the yeah, the faucet wrench, you know, for like tightening the nut underneath the faucet. Like, I don't know where that is. I have at least three of them, <laughs> but I don't know where they are because they don't make sense with anything else. And so that's a, that's they've a big ended problem. Up in the bottom of a bag or that's a bad yeah. habit. Just rebuying the same thing you know you have. You just don't know where it mm. is. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Great. Now I have two bad habits out of that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth. Like, uh, that is another thing where a lot of times. I will end up rebuying something that's not expensive. I wouldn't do it an expensive tool, but I'll end up rebuying something small that I know I have, but I can't find just because I need it right then. And I don't want to spend the time to look for it or I think, whereas if you know that, that would be solved by the organization in the first place. Mm. But I think I've done that a few times with pieces of wood or plywood. Like I don't have a really good plywood storage solution, so mine's just all stacked up against the wall. So if I need something that's way in the back, it's a really big pain, and it's a two-person operation to get to it. So yeah, you I'm don't want to like, get covered in plywood and crushed. Yeah, so I'll just go get a new piece. I've done that before, and because <laughs> I know it's going to get used, so it's going to be mo- yeah. it's not wasting money because it's all going to get used someday. But yeah, that I'm reminds really, me in the. In the container about two weeks ago, I was in the container looking for something, which I stopped using. I, I don't go in there anymore. I have long-term storage in there. And I went in there the other day to get something. I'm like, look at all that plywood that's in there. There's like 10 sheets of plywood leaning on the wall. And I remember buying plywood for a project and a couple of projects when that was where I was working for like 10 minutes. And it's all leaning on the wall behind the Harley, behind the shovels, behind. And I have 10 sheets of plywood leaning on the wall that are perfectly good sheets of plywood. That I got to pull out. Hmm. But that's a bad habit is buying materials and being like, oh, I'll use that. And then you're like, eh, let me just buy another sheet. It's easier. And then all of a sudden I have a whole nother place to work. And all that stuff has just been like Madagascar left behind. And now it's like a whole new, it's like going back and finding a closed off mine with tools in it. You're like, oh man, look what's in here. (laughs) Um, So I I also have a bad habit of starting big things and being really excited about them. And then... It's not that I don't do them. It's not that I don't finish them, but the momentum is gone and they slow down. Like specifically R2-D2 is right behind me and I made a lot of progress on R2-D2 and got it pretty far. And now I've hit a wall where the next actions I need to take are going to be kind of tedious and slow and not really interesting to show on video. That's why you just jump through time. Just just take the time one night and just do it. Don't even bring the camera in the shop. I know. Yeah, I, I, that's the kind of thing I know I need to do, but it's just, it's really hard for me to justify that time or just to decide that I'm going to do it, you know? So there's a few things like that where I'm excited about it, but then that that next step is just kind of bogging the whole process down. Um, did I tell you about the, this is kind of unrelated, but the Bridgeport smoking? Oh, yeah, I saw it on Instagram. This? You said the motor smoked for some reason. Yeah, so I went to turn it on. Uh, after WorkbenchCon, you know, Chris and somebody else told me the, the thing about the putting the wooden wedge in there to lock the gears in place. And so I, I wanted to try that. So I put the thing in there, turned it on real quick, and it, like, spun. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I came back later. I'm like, okay, well, let's uh, change the belts a little bit and kind of see. So I turn it on, and it's going really slow. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know how the gearing works on this thing yet, so maybe I in some weird slow back gear or something and the belts are all the way down and I don't know. And so I'm looking at it, watching it spin and it's going super slow and then I smell terrible 
smoke. And I look up, and there's white smoke coming out of the top of the mountain. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm like, ah, you know, shut it off, unplug it, let it cool down. And the, and the casing for the motor is super hot to touch. So um, I let it cool down, and then I loosened, took all the tension off the belt. Like, maybe I have it too tight, or I don't know. So I just, like, released it. So the motor's free. Turn it back on. It does the same thing. So I let it set for a few days and asked a couple of people some ideas. And then my dad was over the other day. And so I asked him about it. He's got a lot of electrical experience. I'm like, did I, you know, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I did something wrong. Some He, he said maybe a wire came loose and it wasn't getting enough power. So it was overworking and there was some weird thing or something shorting out. So we ended up opening up all the wiring that I'd done on the motor and on the switch, double checked it. Everything was still tight. Everything looked good. Everything made sense. And I'm like, so we have the motor off. It's sitting on the, the table. So I'm like, well, you know, let's just hold the motor in place, turn it on and see if it does it again. So we turned it on. It's super fast. It's running high speed. Just like let it run, let it run. No smoke, no heat, no sound. It's like, oh, mm. it's good. Okay. So the problem must have been because it was upside down. So we put it back on the machine, no load on it. Turn it on, runs nice and smooth. It's all good. Like, okay, so let's put the belts back on it. We hook it back up to the spindle, bolt it in place, turn it back on. It's all good. That's it. Mm. So you don't know. <laughs> it's like run, running fast. I don't know what the problem was. Mm. Wow. Which is really frustrating for me yeah. because I would love to know when something's wrong, what's wrong so that I can avoid it in the future. I can fix, you know, whatever yeah. I need to fix. So that's a little irritating, but at the same time, it works and it works well and it's not you know, I know the wedge part works. I know the motor works. Everything's spinning correctly. Um, so that was weird. And maybe somebody listening has an idea of what that was. Um, but we didn't change anything. So that's the kind of thing I that really gets fixed no with a with a whack on the side. That's like you just hit it with a rubber mm-hmm. mallet, mm-hmm. and then it works. It's sometimes well, it's one of those things like you take it apart and put it back together and don't actually do anything, and then it works. I mean, yeah. it, that happens on occasion. But anyway, so the the Bridgeport is up and running now. And I replaced all the, the felts, um, tried to clean off all the ways and as much as I could do without disassembling everything. So um, I'm at a point now. Oh, and I trammed the head. Kevin Lazat helped, gave me a little help there. And I think I have the head trammed as well as I'm able. I don't know what that means. Yes. Tram. Okay. So as I understand it, tram is the perpendicularness <laughs> of the head to the okay. table. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure that it's not leaning one way because then your cuts wouldn't be perpendicular. To and you also, like, when you put a vice on there, you bolt the vice down, you want the vice to be trammed so that when you when you run it in your x-axis across the cutting head, you want it to be in the same exact parallel from one end of the cut to the other. So you have to tram your... when you right. put your, And Kevin taught me that, too. You're going to put a feeler gauge on the quill and make sure that it touches the jaws at the same spot on each end. And then you know if you're going to do, like, a four- or five-inch cut, you're not going to be at an angle to the piece. You want to be parallel to the edge of the piece. When you do machining, everything is referenced from either one edge or one corner, just like a CNC. So. Yeah. So I I trammed to the table, which is not going to be ideal. You know, I mean, once the vice gets on there, I'll have to do it again to the vice. Mm-hmm. And I have the vice. Uh, I bought a new one. But I <laughs> went to put it on the other day, and the little the little nuts that go in the T-Track to lock it down Didn't. are too big for the T-Track. Yeah, that's so... You buy it online? Did you buy it online? Yeah. Because I, I... I bought the one that Kevin said I should buy. I bought ones, too, from Amazon, and they came, and they were like... They're just a 
few hundred thousands fatter. And one of the first things Kevin did with me was we, we put him in the vice and, and trimmed him to fit. It's the weirdest thing they sell. They're like, you know, some import, some crummy import. But they'll work fine, but they're just oversized by like, yeah. you know, a millimeter. You just got to slice them on the machine. Gives your project. So you have to use them. Yeah, gives your project. But how do you lock them down if you don't have a vice that's locked down? You got to do it. You got to get to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Okay, cool. You got to have, you got to do like me and buy boxes of junk. So there is at least two T slots that fit in there to hold the vice. Down. That's, that's how I, uh, I see. When I got that, when I, I got see. my bridge cord, it came with a lot of lock. You, you should have some lockdown stuff. You got a bunch of junk with your machine. Yeah, I probably do. Yeah. I just have to look through it. Yeah. Cool. So anyway, that's, uh, that was off topic, but uh, it just reminded me that, you know, I actually did make a little progress. That was one of those things where I got the bridge port. I was excited about it. And then I ran into a little hiccup or didn't have the time. I didn't know what to do next. And so it just kind of sat there. And so it's been, you know, unused for a while. But I finally this weekend or last week, I guess, um, kind of stepped in and started taking some steps. And it was like, I need to figure the motor thing out. Because if I have to buy a new motor, I'm going to have to buy a new motor. Or I take that and get that one fixed. But I that was going to end up being the, the thing that was going to stop everything else from happening so i don't know not because i did anything but it's working now you you remind me of talk about bad habits i have a bad habit uh and and i'm getting better at it of ignoring things like ignoring sounds like uh, people always say how could you this is like so many annoying things happening around you how could you like concentrate And and i could really just focus and concentrate on something and people around me talking and people like, Oh, asking me a million questions. But you remind me of one day when I was working on the bridge port about two years ago, I heard a humming and I didn't even think to like figure out where the humming was coming from. I just like, I'm like, Oh, everything's on. It's just, and I left the shop for like four hours and I came back into my shop and the whole room was filled with smoke. And the humming was from my bridge port. The, the power feed, my bridge port is an older one. So the power feed is this big monstrosity that has its own motor, but has a worm gear on it. It has a motor that's like a big sizable motor that would run a bandsaw. Now, most power feeds are these little tiny things that hang off the side of the table. But my power feed was this big motor and the power feed was, was, was on and engaged, but stuck. So the humming that I heard three or four hours earlier was that motor humming and not turning. And I didn't even, like, I didn't even, I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. I just ignored it. And when I came back four hours later, the room was full of smoke and the motor was was nearly red hot. And I could, I mean, the next, Dang. you know, another 20 minutes, it probably would have burst into flames. All, all the, the innards were, were dripping out. There was like tar dripping out of it. It was that hot. And I, I panicked. Yeah. I, I first walked in, I thought the, there was an electrical fire somewhere else, but it was that humming thing unplugged it let it cool down and of course the motor never worked again and i went on ebay and got another one but because i was so wrapped up in my project i was ignoring basically the motor was like you know in its own baby voice saying help me help me help me and i was ignoring it <laughs> wait wait you gotta do the baby voice um, stop you gotta help me stop thank you, you. <laughs> thank you and i just ignored it because i'm a bad dad um this is not really a bad habit it's just a thing that i do i get really into learning something and i'll buy all the supplies and then not actually do that thing for months and i don't think it's yeah we talked that's that's what we talked about like the hunt is more exciting than actually getting yeah and i don't think it's a bad habit because i wait to make the video or to do the thing when i'm really 
that inspiration hits me again and I really want to do it. And I think the excitement of doing something new comes through in a video when I do that. So I bought all that stained glass supply stuff months ago and I bought a bunch of stuff to do photography, film development uh, months ago. And it's just sitting there waiting for me. And, you know, I've uh, the two bender bought it in November or October, and I just used it for the first time in a real situation just over the weekend. So I I do this thing where I dive in, I read, I watch videos, I buy the stuff, and then it just sits there for a little bit until that inspiration hits me again. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad habit. Yeah. No, as long as you follow through. You're, you're, you're preparing. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I guess the... A bad habit could come out of that if, you know, you got to the point where you were buying that stuff and then lost interest in it enough and never got around to actually executing on it. But it sounds like you're just preparing for the eventual project, you know, is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think I do that. Like, I'll, I'll get excited about something or I see uh, an interesting piece of hardware, you know. A lot of times I'm on Amazon looking for one thing and something else pops up and I'm like, I don't know what that's for, but it looks cool and I want to get it and maybe I'll use it with that same idea in mm-hmm. mind. And then I get it and I stick it in a box or I stick it in a container with other stuff and forget that I have it. So it's not the same thing you're talking about where it's this big new thing that I'm eventually going to get to. It's just like, well, this will probably be handy and maybe it will someday. Yeah. But I think I have more of those things kind of tucked away in boxes that will probably never get found by me. There's there's also something, and I don't do it too much, but it does happen every once in a while. I'll see a YouTube video, maybe one of you guys, and you have success with a certain tool. And then all of a sudden, in my brain, I'm like, I have to have that exact tool so I can have the same success that they have. And I'll, I'll do that every once in a while. I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do that every day. My, my bad habit yeah, is, and that's- is buying big, expensive, heavy things. Well, not always expensive, but <laughs> I, I, I your bad habit is bandsaws. Well, it's bandsaws. Like, yeah. There's another one. Mm-hmm. Actually, you you're going to laugh. I'm getting a bandsaw this afternoon, Andrew. No, Andrew, come on. I swear to God, Andrew. <laughs> uh, made, I have my one of my most favorite bandsaws. You know, like as like a little kid, like got him, need him, got him, need him with baseball cards. One bandsaw that I that I've always loved is the Delta 14 inch, but the one specifically with the Art Deco base. And I now own two of them, but neither of them are here. One is at my brother's house in California, which if I do the TV show, I'm going to drive and pick it up with my car. And the other one is at a, a freight center that I'm going to pick up after the podcast today. Andrew sent it from Texas, and it's at this freight exchange place in uh, near Albany. I'm going to go get it. But I'm getting that and a, and a disc sander that is a 34-inch disc sander. So oh. it's a double, double 34-inch disc sander. So I will have the biggest disc sander on YouTube. Thank you. You hear the applause? I'm waiting for the applause. <laughs> what size do you think Frank Howard's is? I think mine's bigger. I think his is 24. His is 24. Mine's going to be okay. 34. So <laughs> it'll be a long time before somebody beats me. No, I'm just kidding. But wow. The uh, and then so last night I'm on the plane and recently, if you guys saw, I did these alabaster sculpts for Taylor for her upcoming project, and I I have this fox fox trot. I don't know some some off branded lathe. And I hate it. It is the biggest POS lathe. I paid like four hundred dollars for it wholesale. It's, it's like it's a it's a nice lathe for someone that's just starting out, but I hate it. It's it's just the controls are horrible. It's just a it's an import. It's a piece of junk. 
It's brand new. It's got speed control. It's nice, but it's a piece of junk. And the whole time I'm using it, I'm just like, <laughs> I can't stand this lathe. Like the controls moving the, the chisel perch, it's horrible. And so yesterday I was on the airplane. I'm thinking, before we took off, I'm like, what do I, what do I need? What is like, what, what is going to be my next big thing? And I'm like, you know what? I really need a good wood lathe. Let me buy a good old vintage wood lathe. I open up Facebook Marketplace 20 miles away from here. There's a 10-foot blunt lathe made in 1900 for a thousand bucks. I text the guy. He might know who I am because he immediately texts me back. He's like, great, man. Looking forward to meeting you. And I'm going to meet him tomorrow. I'm going to go look at this lathe. It's a 10-foot pattern maker's lathe, which means it has like, it has control. <laughs> These guys are both shaking their head. <laughs> <laughs> it has controls You're... it has controls like like a metal lathe but it doesn't have a lead screw and it's got this big giant three-phase motor which is it's like it's like the size of a big fat pig at the end so it's a it's a direct drive three 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 speeds go ahead dave bob no i'm bob, I'm, I'm listening i'm listening bob bob's just uh, yeah. shaking his head like, <laughs> like an upset dad <laughs> Well, what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen. You're going to get this thing and you're going to be like, oh, this is awesome. And you're going to use it like to make some giant, big, something, 10 foot something. And then you're going to, in two months, you're going to be like, you know what I need? I need a small wood lathe because this one's kind of overkill for this. And then you're going to buy a little like six foot, a little six foot lathe. And the same pattern's going to happen. And then you're going to end up one of these days. You know what I should do? I should buy a little Shop Fox cheap import <laughs> lathe just so I can do small stuff on. And you're going to have to find the same one that you're That's complaining fine. about right I'm now. I'm giving that Shop Fox away the second I get this other one. And once this other one turns on and I know, like, I, I'm like, it's like I can't let go of one base till I touch the other. So I'm going to be like, as soon as I know the, the three phase one, if I do get it, the reason I'm going to go look at it, because I want to be able to put a chuck on it. If I can't, if it's, it, it might just only be able to take a tapered part in the in the drive head if it if it takes it he the guy didn't send great pictures if if i can screw a chuck head on it that's really one of the things i need to be able to put like a three jaw chuck on it if i can't do that then i'm not going to get it so would that be an issue with something that old i this is a i'm naive on this Something that old is the threading around that end of the machine standard yeah, to where yeah. a, a modern I, chuck would work on that? Yeah, you could definitely. You just, I mean, you can go to McMaster Car. So a company like McMaster would basically cover all the bases for all the old machines. Uh, you know, or uh, there's, there's a couple places. And I have a couple of chucks that could probably, and they're for bigger old machines that I might just by chance happen to have one that fits. Hmm. Or I could make one. Gotcha. You know, I could make a little jumper. Just now, I can make anything with all my machines. And that would be a challenge. Make like a little jumper chuck that yeah. goes on that and also screws into something I already have. That would be a challenge. But uh, it's it's yeah. pretty pretty standard to be able to find mostly everything for, the, for all that stuff. Gotcha. <clears throat> I've always wondered about that. If there's a point when you get using old tools if if you go back far enough just like well i'm gonna have to custom make every single part for this or you know blades or like some non-standard thickness or i don't know it's like something like that old tool nerds are like roaches you know if you start digging for them you start finding them like if you just lift up a rug there's a bunch of parts for all this old stuff and roaches roaches <laughs> and roaches. true story yeah gross all right well you guys got any other bad habits you want to talk about <laughs> not on the show <laughs> okay <laughs> God. Um, maybe we can talk about good habits at some point too, so we don't all sound terrible. I thought I'm pretty sure I said more bad habits than you guys did. Just want to throw that out. Yeah, there, so. I want to throw that out there too. Bob has more bad habits than anybody here on this show. 
Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. One bad habit I have um, is I have a full covered porch in the back of my house. Like we're in my kitchen right now, and uh, there's a porch covered all the way around it. And now spring is coming. I have to get rid of 900 things that I just leave on the covered porch like it's my garage. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's out of the rain. I'll just leave it here. Oh, it's out of the rain. I'll leave it here. Oh, it's out of the rain. I'll leave it here. And then my porch ends up looking like an, an outside exposed, turned inside out garage. And uh, so now that the spring is here, everything's going to, like Taylor said, I want everything that's leaning on the house and everything that's leaning on the garage <laughs> to be gone. Figure it out. <laughs> that's my work. Say, haven't you ever seen Sanford and Sons? Oh, that's <laughs> our vibe. That's what we're going for. Oh, God. All right. Um, well, let me uh, thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out what you want to uh, recommend. I'm just going to go ahead and say I've already got my pick. I did a little bit of homework and found something. So, you know, <clears throat> that makes up for my bad habits. Uh, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Uh, everybody that helps us out over there, we are really, really grateful. Our top supporters are Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Maker in Training, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, who sent us a really cool message that I forgot to read. Mm. Maybe we'll mm. do that next week. Oh, yeah. um, you can make this to Odin Leatherworks, Jenny and Davis, and Albert Wood- Albers Woodworks. Those are There are top supporters, but there's a big list of other people who help us out, and we're thankful for every single one Thank of them. Thank you. And they all get, at every level, they get the after show, which maybe we'll have some bad habits. Uh, maybe the other guys will actually chime in and talk about their bad habits. I'm going oh, to talk, talk about my stupidity. Show. And buying nuts oh. and bolts. I, I, I feel like a moron. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. Cool. Well, so the after show is a, a little bit more show on a separate uh, feed that is just through Patreon. So if you want to get that, a little get a uh, little more of the show every week, go to patreon.com slash making it and join the gang. Ooh. David, what you got? <laughs> so this is, it's just a cool little YouTube channel. There's only six videos on there. And it might not be anything worth subscribing to, but at least just checking out. That, that's a terrible way to introduce this channel. But this guy named Nick <laughs> Shirell, uh, he records indie and F1 events with old cameras from the 50s. And it's, and it's kind of cool. Um, and I don't know... I mean, he's got six videos, so I don't know if he's going to continue doing this. But it was just kind of... You look at the footage and you're you're kind of thrown back for a second. Like, is this a vintage video? Nope. That looks like some modern car in there. So, really, really cool yeah, stuff. That's cool. Uh, two things for me. Kevin Nealon. You guys watch Hiking with Kevin? If anybody's a fan of comedy, Hiking with Kevin. Kevin Nealon hmm. does these hikes in in the hills of of Hollywood with famous people. And Kevin Nealon's obviously very funny. If you don't know who he is, look him up. And he goes for a legit hike. So it's him and David Sedaris or him and Whitney Cummings going for a walk. And he interviews them while they walk. And he's oh. very tongue-in-cheek. He's very casual. Yeah, they're really funny. He, Dave, you, you would dig him. Yeah. You didn't know about that? Right you know about- I know I didn't know. No, this is like comedians oh. in cars, but exactly. Kevin and hiking. He, okay. <laughs> he was on Howard Stern and he was talking. He's like, I needed something. I needed something. Because I couldn't do cars because I was taken. So that's funny. <laughs> And uh, and just one more uh, programming note: the Fits All podcast. Just today, today is Monday. Today we put up the first episode on our YouTube channel. So when we record, we record just like we do, like with a with cameras on a, on us. But on the Fits All, we always do the multi track, which also brings in the the video. And so we have uh, the video. So we're going to put that up. Eric put up the first one this uh, weekend. Cool. 
Um, so mine is a channel that I found um, through somebody on Twitter posted it, and I recognized the name, and then it showed up on YouTube Recommends, which is pretty cool. And I don't know much about it. I've only watched one video, but I like the guy's style. His name is Alexander Chappelle. Alexandre? I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. But um, he it looks. He just makes a lot of cool stuff. The video that I watched was super well put together. Um, and it looks like he has a Bridgeport restoration video, which is probably why he showed up in my feed. Maybe I did watch one of his videos before. Anyway, it's cool stuff. Um, they're really well put together. And, you know, he's at like the 22,000 subscriber range. So everybody go check him out, see if we can lift him up a little bit. And yes, that's what I got. All right. You guys got anything else for this week? Cool. Well, hope everybody learned from our bad habits. <laughs> yeah. And uh, don't do what we do. <laughs> do better than us. <laughs> And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. All right, thank you. Love you. Love messy. Love messy workbenches. Bye.